Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow Greetings for growth, welcome to evolution, into spirit. And transformation. I'm your co-host, Dr. We always Anthony begin Smith. by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. who is a practitioner of many modalities. And we're going to jump in and talk about a lot of those modalities. But she does Reiki, she does energy work, she does crystal healing. And we're just excited to hear about you and your practice and everything that you do to tap into spirit. So, um, Ms. Daphne Wright-Gilstrap, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I am doing fine and please just Daphne. That's, I'm listening, that's like, that's an awful long name. Daphne is fine. Okay. <laughs> and I'm doing well, thank you. And I'm excited to be here with you all. Good, good, okay. So, as we get started, um, we, we think about your practice and everything that you do. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do um, in the field of spirit and energy work? Okay, well, um, it's, it's interesting how I got into it. As a child, it was always something that was a part of who I was. But as you grow up, things change, and I go to school and go the very traditional route. Um, became an educator, went to um, school and got certified to be an administrator. So I've been in education, I've been a teacher um, over math and science. So very, you know, very traditional things, you know, things that are very proven when you look at it. It's like, I like math and science because there's not a lot of wiggle room in it. But as I started to move through retirement, I had the opportunity to retire early and kind of follow my soul's passion, which was to get back into more holistic things, really for myself, um, as opposed to you know anybody else. And it just started to go from there. So I started with Reiki. And when I think about it, I can't even remember how I got to Reiki, but that was my first modality. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was the end all be all. And then some of the people that were my cohort, they started with IET, which is integrated energy therapy. So I started with that. And that really ignited so many other things because it kind of brought back my ability to channel and to be a medium. So, um, and I was always attracted to crystals. So again, it was just, I started to, the more you learn, the more you need to learn, you know, it's like things kind of layer up. So I got into the crystals and sound healing. So that's kind of how I came into my practice. And I love helping other people find balance and, you know, remove the stress that I experienced when I was in administration. And I'd come to work and I'd have 72 emails easy. 
and it's very stressful. So constantly trying to find balance and peace. You know, I now that I've learned how to do it, I'd like to share it with other people. So that's kind of how I got into the business. Debbie, I, I would like for you to share with us. I mean, you mentioned as a child, um, what you said, it was always part of your, your life as a child. And so when you're saying it, like your gifts are connecting to spirit or what was that? How, what are you, when you were referring to as a child, because I'm so interested in what your gifts were early on. Um, it's funny because I, I love talking to children now because I didn't have support when I was growing up. I couldn't really go to anybody and tell them what I was seeing and feeling. So as a child, I always was able to communicate with spirit. If I went into, my grandfather died when I was three and I could easily say, oh, I want to talk to him. And he would come. But I didn't know everybody couldn't do that, right? Mm -hmm. So as I got older, um, my experience with communicating kind of, you know, you start to learn that not everybody got along with that and not everybody understood it. And I didn't have anybody that could nurture it. So um, my gift is transition. It took me a long time to understand that that was my gift. Um, I didn't look at it as a gift because it's like kind of hard. How do you tell people that they're going to die or somebody around them is going to pass? And so a series of things happened. So that by the time I was probably moving into college, I just stopped because, you know, I didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't want people to be fearful of me. Um, and, you know, I was in the church, very active in the church. And that's not something that the church necessarily understands. I don't think it's that they have something against it. It's just so many people do what, you know, I do. And for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. they get the wrong image of it. So I couldn't put it into church ease. So between that, I kind of stopped. And it took me about 30 years mm -hmm. to get back to it. I, you know, it was on the shelf. I was always off balance. And I knew why. I was like, you know, I have a gift, but I don't know how to, like, use it or get back to it. And I, I honestly thought that I had lost it. Mm -hmm. um, until you know some things happen and it kind of pointed me back in the direction of um, tapping into it and learning how to access it in a way that wasn't fearful to me and that I could own my own it as a gift. Wow. So the time from three you remember being three years old, right? That's oh yeah, because my grandfather passed mm -hmm. and I went in the room and I was at my grandmother's house and I was like, I want to see Papa. Mm -hmm. And he came. You know, even recently I was doing some work with a family member and it was, the work was really for her, but he, oh, I got chills. He came and he gave me a big kiss mm -hmm. and I can feel it just as if anybody was standing here and could give me a kiss. Like, cause we had a relationship mm -hmm. and he was, you know, I was young. I didn't really know him well when he passed. I have some memories, but um, yeah, still connected to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how was it muted in you from, you, you stayed in touch with it from three till about 19 is what you said. Right. So how were you noticing that it was being muted? And did you talk to people during that time about your gift, like your best friends or any close family members or anybody that you shared what it was that was going on with you? I must have talked to somebody because years later, I ended up doing a, I ended up getting a visit 
and this is what kind of sent me back into telling people what I could do. And um, for a month, I ignored what I was hearing. And I kept getting this little tap on my shoulder, like, I told you <laughs> to go tell this person. And so when I finally did like the circuit of telling everybody that, you know, yes, I am a medium, this is what I have a message, and I need to share it with this person, they said, well, we knew this about you all the time. Mm. But I did not know. I'm like, well, I wish somebody had told me. I didn't know that you all knew that this was a gift. I would tell my father. Um, my mom didn't quite understand. She still doesn't necessarily understand. So, you know, when I would see something, I remember seeing what, what presented as a rabbit to me. There was a ghost in the house, but it was a spirit that was talking to me and very friendly. You know, I wasn't scared. I went and tried to tell somebody and I think they were scared of what I was saying. So they dismissed it. And so again, you get it, get it dismissed enough and you're realizing, okay, this is not something that may be acceptable for people to hear. So, you know, I started to miss, I think the last thing that ever happened to me, I was in high school and somebody passed. I knew that they were gonna pass. And then their brother passed. And again, I knew it. And I'm like, this is just not something I wanna deal with right now. And I, again, didn't know how to put barriers around it in a way that I could accept it and see it as a gift. Back then it was just something that happened. Now I know that I'm being used to help with healing. So now I see it as a gift. Back then it was just, you know, um, something that kind of got in the way of me just having a very normal life. Hmm. And so you want it to be normal. I want it, it sounds terrible. I want it to get to heaven. Quote, unquote, normal. Yeah, I, get, I want it to get to heaven. I'm in the church. I was very active. And because, again, people didn't see it and, and still don't, you know, you have to be very careful with folks and how you put things. Um, you know, my faith and my understanding of faith got in the way of my practicing what was a gift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think as a, society we put more emphasis on being normal than being right. natural right right because just because it's normal doesn't mean it's natural right. and you know that's what we do uh, with uh i would say the disagreeable aspects of ego they like to put things in line and in boxes and everybody fall in line and either you're you're good or you're bad and there's right and wrong in a way that is um Oh, it's suppressing. It is, it is really suppressing. I love the way you said that because natural, I feel that, you know, for me, I, in the way I practice my faith, I believe in my God center and I believe that God puts everything on the earth for us to be well and whole. Yeah. And he gives us all these resources, crystals. It's not voodoo behind it or woo-woo. That's a part of the earth that resonates in energy and we tap into it. The same with this. I think all of us have the ability to do it and it is natural. We're able to heal ourselves if we can tap into the natural things that are around us, right? right. <laughs> so, I, I, There are passages in the Bible, I can't quote them, but I do remember reading about 
crystals and gems that were in the temples in biblical times that right. they speak of. And it, it, it often makes me wonder when people feel that, oh no, you should, in the church, may feel that you shouldn't deal with crystals. Well, mm -hmm. what do you think they were talking about in the temples? When you're, when you're reading those, there are crystals in, uh, they, were, they, were, they were speaking of crystals in, often in the Bible. So it's interesting to me. I think that one of one of script I used to know him. I know about four scriptures. I am not the one to quote anything, but I remember something that um, I think it was Jesus said. There's a time to cast your stones, mm -hmm. and that's like one of the references to it. Yeah. Um, and even in that, again, because the earth is made of energy, I like it from a science point. Everything radiates energy. So there are different crystals and stones that are around you that resonate an energy that help you heal. If I hand you something that's radioactive, you'll drop it. And believe me, like, why do you have me something crazy like that? So why, if I don't, if I hand you lipidolite, which has lithium in it, and lithium is for, you know, calming people down. It's also for batteries. But, you know, like, understand that same energy that's in that one helps you with your soothing and calming, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, we're gonna, I wanna go deeper into that, but I, wanna, I don't wanna skip over what you were saying about the transition and mm -hmm. you're, you're getting the uh, messages about death. Um, and, and I also wanna tie it into something you said about everybody having the ability to tap into spirit, but us not being able to on a whole, access that. Um, I, I say to people often that we have this energetic dust around us. And if we get that energetic dust cleared away, it's like Pigpen on Charlie Brown. You know, he's got the dust around him. If we clear the spiritual dust, then we have the ability to access those vehicles and tap into spirit as you describe it. Um, so that being one thing, but in, in speaking of transition, our culture does not really do a good job of dealing with death and transition. It's not something we like to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, even if we know somebody is going to pass, but, but, and we know that everybody has to because nobody lives right. forever, but we just don't like to talk about it. Even in our culture, people don't like to get their affairs in order. And then they leave their families all out of sync and they should be grieving and, and trying to go through that process they're trying to find papers and figuring oh what is this and look what i found here and where is that and they're trying to come up with all types of things as opposed to having a conversation beforehand and planning it out so i think that's part of thing one of the things we have to fight against as as a culture um trying to change the concept of what death and transition is about. But when you think about, I think you describe yourself as a death doula. Yes. Yeah, and Glenda does as well. Uh, nice so I'm sure you all can have some interesting conversations yes. about that. But how do people respond when you have to give them a message about a transition taking place in their life? Um. That's a good question because I usually don't talk about the transition. I've worked with some people that are in, well, my primary work is with people that are in hospice. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And I found early on that even though they might ask, like, I really want to know, they really don't want to know. Um, and I, so I work with their guides. I work with their family on the other side as far as communicating with them. So just as an, as an example, there was a young lady that um, had bone cancer around the corner from me and I was working with her on a regular basis. And she kept asking me, you know, did I see when she was going to pass? And I, she asked and asked and asked, and I was like, surely she must really want to know. I didn't really tell her because when I would see her on the other side, what I think was I saw her on her healing on the other side. So I don't necessarily know exactly when it will happen, but I saw her and I told her the people that I saw. I saw her in the field, I saw her walking again. And this is somebody that had bone cancer, so she was having problems walking. And I said, you're barefoot, you're walking through a field. And I told her who was there. And something I must have said scared her because the next time I went back, like her guides were laying me out. You scared her, blah, 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 blah. So I learned then like not to be too detailed, to give her hope, to know that wherever she is in her healing, she's going to be okay. But I don't say, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't know when it's going to happen. I can tell when it's getting close because I can sense like your family is gathering around you. Mm -hmm. And I start to also pick them up like in their sleep, they'll start talking to me and telling me what it's gonna be like for them when they do pass. So that's how I know that it's really eminent. Mm -hmm. But um, I try to be very careful because you know, I, I, who, who am I to yeah. say, unless somebody tells me specifically. But I wanna go back if I can to something that you said as far as understanding um death and and how it happened i was one of those people my daughter probably about two years ago kept asking me how i wanted to be buried and i was not having that conversation and she kept asking she kept asking so i finally said fine i want a double wide i want to be sitting up i don't i want food money a light a chair a shovel and, you know, I better be sitting up, the casket's not closed. I want to be able to sit up in a chair, realize these people think I'm dead, and then find a way to dig myself out. Like, I was not having a conversation about death, right? And it was funny, but then it was like, oh, I probably traumatized this person. You know, I don't want them to think that I'm really serious, even though slightly I am. So it allowed and opened up the possibility of having a conversation about that so even when i'm working with my clients i'm very sensitive i tell them the story i was like i get it but as your doula i want to be able to help you set up the environment and give you that peaceful transition that you want and i also want you to be able to talk to me about things that you're scared to share with your family because you're protecting them but there are things that you need to say and you want somebody who's impartial, who doesn't care, you know, to hear you. So um, that's really important more than who I'm seeing mm -hmm. for me that's coming close. And I'll let them know that too. And a lot of times they're in their sleep and they're talking to somebody, but it's also giving that protective environment for them 
so that as they're getting closer, they're at peace and they're surrounded and almost like that sacred environment for them that they want to have as they're transitioning. Okay, good, good. So how are people um, seeking you out for that type of assistance? How, how does one become aware and even know that they need it? Um, I, I am talking more about it. I didn't know that many people knew about it, but I work with a hospice. So yeah. that's how they're finding me. I'm working with them, but um, I'm talking about what I'm doing more. And I'm hearing more about people saying, oh, my mother had that. Or, you know, like it's becoming a little bit more popular. You always hear of the birthing doulas, but you don't hear as much about the death doulas. So now the conversation, and because these hospices are giving so many alternate services, um, it, word is getting out and they're becoming more aware of the opportunity to have somebody that is an advocate for both them and their family in their transition. Okay, great. Um, one thing that you said that I think um, we need to be aware of, you mentioned early on how you got back into using your gifts as a way of healing yourself. And I am an advocate for what, if we're going to heal anyone or help anyone, we must first help ourselves. And so that fear or lack of understanding about transition is one of the things that I think as a healer, we have to face it mm -hmm. and become comfortable with it and understand it. Like, it really is transition because just like you, I enjoy connecting science with it. So we are all energy beings. And we learned in science that energy can't kill it. It changes forms. And if we know that, then we are aware that it's not, it can't be a death. It, had, it would have to be a transition mm -hmm. from the earthly to something else, to spirit. And so it's, um, it's a way of helping people to understand and it can kind of put them a little more at ease when they really can get the whole idea of we call it death, but it's really not a death. And it doesn't take away the pain that you feel when someone does transition. Right. There is definitely the separation anxiety and many other feelings, knowing that you still have the opportunity to connect with them. Mm. And that they can be with you in a way that they never could in, in, the, in the human form right. can be extremely comforting. Yeah. Um, even like, I guess for you also, even for me, it gives me a new perspective on death. You know, I yeah. still tell everybody I want to be 104. I haven't been <laughs> on nowhere. You know, but there's a comfort in knowing that, you know, again, not a quarter of the Bible, but knowing that, you know, we're supposed to be working on our eternal soul, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's part of it. This is very temporary, but the energy, we as a soul continue on, you know, mm -hmm. and that we do get to see and interact and engage with our family in a different way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, good. So let's transition talking about <laughs> your role as a medium and how you have um, seen that grow and embrace that and as you come back to it 
30 yeah, years. Yeah. Did you consider that something? I, I imagine you didn't define it that way as a teenager, but there were certainly experiences that you might have had. So can you connect the two there? Sure. I always had the uh, ability. Okay. So I think it's, they say every medium is psychic, but not every psychic is a medium, right? Yeah. So I would have psychic episodes back when I was younger. I would dream things and they'd come through and be the next day. It would be, you know, word for word. So I, I knew that about myself and I had those experiences. Um, fast forward, what brought me back to this was that my father passed. And in his passing, he came to me, but I was scared. And I had never learned again how to control this. So in my state that I was in, I told him, you know, like, you're scaring me. I'm good. Come back when, you know, I can handle it. Well, the problem was that it never happened. And I was like yearning to have that connection with my father as I was starting to move through the process. So I made the effort and the t determination that I was going to find my way back to it. I thought it would be as immediate as the way I was able to do it when I was younger, but it was a very slow process and actually one that I'm happy about because if it happened immediately, I'd have been back in that fear state that I was in before. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a journey and the journey, I, I ended up in a, the freakest way working with a woman who I was supposed to be working on meditation with. But again, she, because of a series of things, nobody showed up except for me. We were able to talk one-on-one -on, -one on what I really wanted to work on. And she told me that I needed to find my greatest joy with my father. And I would be able to meet him there. The problem is when you're grieving, the greatest joy is also your greatest pain. Right. So I had to slowly work my way to get to that spot where I could connect with my father. So it was funny as I started to do and experience more sessions where I was meeting the deceased as a gift to me for what I did for them. They would bring my dad like back door. So I was able to connect with him more and more. And it, it's hard to explain but it was almost like I mean, when he was coming to me, it would be a by surprise or like he would start talking to me. And it literally felt like it was like, it just kind of slid in there, not by accident, but again, just, you know, I didn't have to work for it or I, I knew, I knew who he was, but it was unexpected. So it's kind of strange to explain, but um, that started me on my journey to connect more and more with the with spirit so when i really noticed it was at a funeral and this is going to sound crazy I was at a funeral and we were in the church and i could hear all the people singing in the choir but i heard this voice on the other side singing the songs and i'm like okay this is strange but here's this voice and i realized that it was deceased who was enjoying his own funeral, like go figure, right? And he talked to me throughout the whole service. And even to point where beforehand, he had kind of shared with me, 
who he was going to be in his passing. He was going to be younger. He was going to be as healthier self the whole bit. So I'm noticing this through the funeral. Well, the mistake I made because I was new at this was I was so excited. I told his daughter, I'm like, OMG, you can't believe I was talking to your dad. Blah, 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 blah. And she looked at me like I had grown 12 heads and she wasn't comfortable with it. Right. right? So I was mistake number one, but I'm going to learn from it. And I wrote down everything he said so that we could circle back around when she was ready. Mm -hmm. And I started having more and more of those experiences where I would be at the funeral and I would have a conversation with the deceased. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, go figure. Yep, I know it sounds strange, but... <laughs> well, you got to remember, you're speaking to an audience that Taps in the spirit. So yeah, they're, right. they're shaking their heads going, Yay. oh, wow, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, that for me became a stronger and stronger sense. You know, I was like developing a muscle. Mm -hmm. And so now for me, definitely beforehand, I never know the exact minute of their passing, but then right away, especially if I go to a funeral, I'll take a notepad, I'll write what the person is saying, and then I'll share it with the family. I always wait about three months. Now that's one thing that I learned. So um, that to me is where I learned that it is now a gift because to see the healing for the mother who's lost a son or um, you know, just whatever the situation is, that's where I learned to look at it differently. And are they receptive when you do bring it back? How, how do the families respond to you? Definitely. And spirit helps me know that it's okay to share with them because I still like, you know, I'm hesitant, but they'll say, no, 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 it'll be fine. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And again, to hear the, you know, the healing that they have knowing that this person is okay. They're deceased. Right. And I, I liken it to now, like being on a desert island and you can't get a radio signal to let your family know you're okay. And you finally pick up that signal and you can send them a message and say, I'm here, I'm okay, you don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, I feel like, you know, I'm that like, radio signal and that if it's okay with them, I check and make sure, but I let them know that their loved one is okay and they're healed on the other side. Hmm. Okay, good thing, yeah, good stuff. So, <clears throat> going to funerals must be a, a hoop for you. <laughs> and, and, and can it be taxing to, to have all this information? And then what if it's somebody that like, you're really close to, your, your own family? Like what? I did have that experience um, with someone who actually was like, um, oh, he was a masterful astrologer. He worked with all the, um, the literary people. His wife was, had written a book and a novel. And so Ozzie Davis, like all that, he used to do their charts. Hmm. So he was a guide as I'm doing this discovery, you know, like we all have our guides to come along and help us along our journey. And that was what he was for me. Mm -hmm. And I adored him and he passed. And I wanted to cry, cry, cry through that whole funeral. I was so heartbroken. 
and I hear this, I need you to get yourself together. Because <laughs> you're going to see the show, and I want you to write it down, because I got messages for you. And I can't have you, like, on the ground crying. So, uh, you know, okay, okay. <laughs> and it was hard, but I learned so much. You know, it was interesting because his funeral was someplace where it wasn't really with people that he knew. It was more for the people that were having the funeral, right? Mm -hmm. So as people were walking up to him, I could hear, hey, how you doing, so-and-so? Or who are you? You know, like he even met his granddaughters for the first time at his casket. So to hear all of that go on and then to be able to write the messages he had for the people that were there that was his loved ones, again, you know, I wrote about 20 pages that day. But yeah, it was, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, I had to kind of, and in some of the training that I've had as a medium, they're like, you are not there to cry. When you're doing readings for people, you're not allowed to cry. You're doing the writing. Like, okay, you know. And so, and able to keep some composure, you know, you can hear the message. And that usually keeps me from getting too wrapped up in what's happening because I'm so focused on hearing the message. Mm -hmm. That it, you know, at house. Because there are times you you really hear some things. You know, I had one where one of my clients, um, the father killed the mother in front of her. Mm. So to I, one of my barriers is I don't want to know the details. That would scare me. I just need to know enough so I can validate to the person that this person's here. You know, I I try to work um, evidence based mediumship. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to see the things that are too crazy. But um, I learned so much in the session to myself. That one taught me how to forgive or what forgiveness is truly supposed to look like, you know, for the two spirits to forgive in order to partner to help heal their daughter. It was, it actually sat me for a week. <laughs> I was like, cause I had my list of, I don't want to be around this person and God, you get this one. And now it's like, no, everything is forgiven. That's what it's supposed to be. Um, I, I learned a lot. Have you ever had situations where a spirit or more spirits that you may not be familiar with are connecting to you? and you have to do something to protect yourself um, from, he from maybe hearing. So like you, when you're saying you're uh, someone where the spirits can speak through you or they can speak to you so that you can share that information with their family. Um, and I, I believe that we all can if we knew how. And so, <laughs> spirits who when they're on the other side and they find that there is someone on this side that you can hear me you like there may be other spirits who want to speak has that ever happened and you've had to that has happened to me so when i was um training for iet that was really fast tracking my ability to hear spirit i was having a hard time training because i kept channeling and one of the girls that was there was, you know, a self-described witch. Um, but I, in coming into this, had laid the groundwork and my own personal barriers. I don't wanna hear anything that's scary. Um, I'm not gonna talk to you if you're not loving above, right? Um, I mean, 
between the hours of nine to five, don't come to me in the middle of the night hovering, you know, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I was, she had asked and requested that I be a part of her journey and there were things talking through her. And she came back later on and told me, other people wanted to talk to you, but you weren't hearing them, only one person. And again, I was like, well, that's because my barriers weren't love and above. I don't want to hear from anything else. So that has happened. And it's good to know because, um, you know, I want to know that I can protect my energy and I can keep from being scared. Another time we actually rented an Airbnb in Atlanta and I got in the house, you know, you know how things hit your brain and really quickly, you know, it's downhill. So we're in this Airbnb and I went from, I wonder if, hmm, uh-oh, right? Like all it was, <laughs> like there was an energy in there. It wasn't necessarily a scary one, but again, it was like, okay, this is our deal. I got to be here for three days. You behave. You don't talk to me. You don't wake me up. You don't scare me. On the last day here, I'll listen to your story. And so, you know, I honored that. That's one of the things I've learned in my training to honor spirit um, and, you know, work with them. So that last day I got to hear the story and it was fine. It was just, I am one waking me up, you know, none of those things. So yeah, I've, I've had those experiences. That's very interesting. Hmm. So do you do things that, so being as sensitive, so when you go to Airbnb hotels, like other people's houses, you may be picking up stuff. Um, how do you, well, I guess you, you just said how you, how you do, but are there other things you do to protect yourself or to set a barrier that um, people might be able to do? I haven't because for me, those are my true ground rules. If you are something that is not loving above, I want nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's barrier, like the biggest one. And they honor it. I remember when I started, I would go and I would, you know, do my, um, like my meditations, I'm connect to the earth and I'd feel little things wanting to come in and I'd say, uh-uh, love and above, and they listen. And so I haven't found that I've had an, a, anything since then that has put me in a bad situation where I have to, again, fortify myself and say, hey, I'm not, you know, I've always, always, always been protective of where I go. Like everybody likes to go to, in, in Pennsylvania, there's like some haunted fort or something like that. Never in a good day would <laughs> I ever go. So, you know, I'm protective of where I go, but I really haven't, you know, had those situations because, again, I have claimed my, my ground rules for engagement and they do honor it. So you set your boundaries um, in, in a way a good parent would set boundaries with their children. And in setting those boundaries and having that dialogue and that contract, if you will, with the spirit world, they respect what it is that you set up. Yes, yes. I think it's, it's possible for all of us to do that. I think anybody. And I've had a, one young lady who's scared to come to the house and she's so scared because she's so sensitive. <clears throat> she doesn't know how to protect herself. And I'm like, I can show you, but I, I get it. You know, you, you're fearful because you've had an experience and you don't know how to handle it. I can show you how mm-hmm. to set your ground rules. 
and you won't have to live in that kind of fear, but she hasn't gotten there. So I understand that that happens to a lot of people. It happened to me. I didn't know how to set boundaries. So again, not knowing how to set the boundaries, I just cut it off. And, you know, so, but it's such a gift and it's such a part of who you are. You don't want to find yourself in that position. I love talking to indigo children because it's like, I can relate. Right. Like, I, and I recently I had somebody who was, his daughter was experiencing this thing. It's like, I can talk to you. I've had this experience. Has this and this and this happened to you? And their eyes light up because somebody can finally talk to them about their experiences. We all engage with spirit in different ways, but there's some similarities, you know, that we can kind of share and it's like, okay. And it's safe to tell me these are the things that are happening to you. Mm-hmm. Can you share some of those ways that spirit, um, um, connects with you, auditory or visual or um, I think, sensations, feelings? Yeah, I, it's grown. You know, I, <laughs> thank goodness, spirit knows that I'm not the brightest tool and it usually I hear it. So it's like, I'm lucky because I have a very good girlfriend who was one of my guides in the past. She sees colors and that's how she picks up her mediumship. For me, they just talk right into, uh, usually it's my right here. Mm -hmm. So I hear them. And as I developed that muscle, then I would see things. I still not sure how I see it, but somehow, and maybe it's my third eye, I can see what the person looks like, what they're wearing. Um, Or like when I was at that funeral, I could see them dancing because they were playing jazz music at the, the church. And I could see him and his wife dancing and then he whispered to me he's like i can breathe again and that was to let me know tell his daughter because he had died of lung cancer um i sometimes smell sometimes that's not one that i usually get but if it's important they'll let me smell it a lot of times they'll let me feel what they died from so sometimes like it's up in here did they have breast cancer or the other day i had somebody who had um like probably um, cancer of the lung. And I could feel like going down in my esophagus and then problems with the one side of my body. Sometimes I feel it in my back. So I can tell them what the person died from if they show that to me. Ooh, during this coronavirus, that would probably scare me just a little bit. <laughs> Feeling different things in my body, but it's good that you're in tune with your own body and you understand. Yeah, yeah, there's sometimes I'm like, was it me? But um, even the other day, I've had a young lady who um, she, well, I was working with her doing Reiki, and I could feel pressure in this area. It turns out, and I'm like, I'm feeling pressure from you, but it, she has TMJ, and she had just been diagnosed, so she was clenching. I'm like, do you clench your teeth? And she's like, yeah, how did you know? It's <laughs> like, because I'm feeling that pressure. So they use my ability to sense that to send me messages. I still want to learn how to develop my psychic language. So like, if there's something you wanna show me, I want you to routinely show me this symbol so that I know that, you know, and that's evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned evidence-based mediumship before, And and I want you to unpack that a little bit because I think that ties into what you just finished saying. Um, and it also helps people to really appreciate the realness 
of what it is that you do? Yeah, um, I, people can, you can go to somebody and they say they're a medium and they'll tell you there's an angel around you. And I have seen those and I tell people, or you have a guide, <clears throat> excuse me, but if you don't know it, if you don't know that angel, or if you don't know that guy, there's no way of me proving to you that the angel is there or the guide's there. I have no evidence. But if there's a family member that comes to you, I can give you personality. I can give you a description of what they're showing me. I can tell you, you know, I'm feeling it here. I think they pass from something that's here. Like, so I'm giving you evidence of the person that's around. I'm telling you a joke that they're telling me, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, that's his personality. One, one young man, I was working with him and I'm like, I'm smelling, I'm smelling marijuana. Yep. That's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what evidence-based mediumship is. I can give you, I'm not just giving you information that you like go away and you don't really know that that person has engaged with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's, um, it's really nice when you can bring the personality of the person in. I had one young lady that I was working with and she said, oh, my grandfather was so, he was so quiet and the grandfather sitting tell me yeah i was quiet because i was a trip and if i talked i'd be telling my business to this person you know like so he's like i said well was your grandfather funny oh yeah he was a car and i was like yeah you know so i was able to give her little snippets i can't tell her everything that he was saying because that was like yeah, you don't want to tell her all this because, yeah, I was a trip. The only reason I was doing right was because um, another person was not doing right by her. and He had to kind of step in. So, um, you know, again, evidence, letting you know. I have one person that's really a personal friend, and I was, we were getting on a cruise, and I woke up in here, and it was her mother sitting next to her, like, just talking and just giving information. So as I'm waking up, I'm like telling her about the things that she was saying. Again, evidence that this person was here so you really know that you know there's that relationship. And it was nice the way she responded. She's like, I always know that they're there, but to really know yeah. that they're with you yeah. is something that you know is just priceless. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. Mm. Okay. The, the other and because I want to get to your other areas, but this, this is <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, in one of your experiences how it elevated your understanding of forgiveness. And we've had a whole podcast dedicated to forgiveness, so I would just like to, if you could, un have you unpack what that was like getting that from the spirit world to see, um, yeah, to see how we're looking at it and whether we right. need, you know, alter some things. Um, not being the perfect person, <clears throat> like I said, I'm gonna backtrack and, and confess, you know, I'm like, God, I won't be bothered with this person, this person, I want you to get, you know, like you have those moments. I have a list, right? Of all the people, like, you can get them. Um, not to say that I'm perfect, but um, yeah. over a series of probably three or four sessions, this person, like I said, the father killed the mother. 
I don't want to give too much away. Right, right, right. And um, it wasn't just her, it was something else, right? So at first, there was distance between the two energies. Mm-hmm. The next session, they came closer and you could hear her forgiving him. And then the third time, it was holding hands and forgiveness to try to help with the healing of my client. And what I realized was everything is forgiven. For you to be able to go through that, right? Everything, everything is forgiven. And when we talk about forgiveness, it's not supposed to be forgiveness. I forgive you, but, or I forgive you and I'm gonna hold one to the memory. It's supposed to be a tabula rasa the whole slate clean because that's what you know say you're a christian or whatever your denomination we're supposed to forgive and and move forward mm-hmm. and that was what i learned is i think the reason why we're in so much pain is because we don't find a way to completely forgive somebody that has wronged us. So we stay in pain. That, we all know that person's moved on. They don't even know they hurt us, but we're holding on to so much of the pain and to see, <clears throat> see how that forgiveness really releases you from the hurts and the pains that I learned when I learned that it, like I said, it sat me down for a week to really know it's hard. It's a journey. It's something that we have to work on but we would be in such better spaces if we could learn how to truly forgive and move forward and release, you know, truly release. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the perfect, you know, like anyone hearing me, no, I get it. It's hard. (laughs) You know, I have those things, but I think that's where we're, you know, God, you know, whatever God you, you call it, whatever your higher power is, that's how we want him to forgive us for the things that we do. We have to learn how to forgive others that same way. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm still working on that myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a journey. <laughs> it is. It, I, I've always said it's easier for like, some things are easier to forgive. Right. Um, there, I think the challenges for me are things that I know are done with malice. Like, let me just give an example of, um, as a child, a man in my mother's life attacked her with a barbershop razor. Mm-hmm. He cut her to the point that she went in shock. She was in the hospital. She almost died. Um, and I was a young child and spent days in the waiting room of the hospital because my father had already transitioned. Mm-hmm. Well, it was challenging for me to forgive him. I, I can say that um, I was able to coexist with him still being in the world and even in the same city that mm-hmm. I was in, but I was, I hadn't forgiven enough. So my mom transitioned not quite a year ago. And when he showed up at her service, I asked him to leave because I wasn't comfortable with him there. So in to some degree, I feel like that I really didn't, that's not really forgiving. Is it Glenda? And I had to question myself about that, but I also felt, well, you know, it's important that, that right now you're comfortable and him being there will make you uncomfortable. Mm. And that to me was, so I'm working on forgiveness. That, yeah. that was just one example, but there are other things that I think um, 
are more challenging as you're working doing that forgiveness work. Yeah. It's interesting when spirit comes and a lot of times it's those dynamics that they come to the person with. I'm mad at you because you did such and such. So spirit comes <clears throat> and it's interesting to hear them. They take their time coming because they don't want the person to feel that they're coming and trying to get forgiveness for themselves. They are literally trying to help like the client heal and move forward. And like, I always have to say, you know, like they want you to forgive, but they're not trying to absolve themselves. They're trying to help you move forward so that you can live your best and fullest life. So to be honest, usually when I work, I do my Reiki and my IET, but I very rarely charge for the service of mediumship. I just make that a part of my service. Mm -hmm. Because, um, again, the way I learned is like, you don't let the person hijack your service. They want to hear from somebody, but not the person they want to hear from is not always the person they need to hear from. They need to hear from the person that's going to help them heal. And, you know, whether they're ready for it or not, you know, that's the doses that I plant when I'm sharing with them so that over time they can get to the point where they can release that anger. And that's the best text message or phone call I get from my client when they say, you know what, you helped me heal from that pain in that situation. And again, that's what spirit usually, they're, the ones that are gonna come are the ones that need to help you move forward and do something differently. Mm, yeah. I think you're talking about the process of undoing some of this, um, you know, this learning that has taken place in our culture, similar to what I was saying about even the transition. Other cultures don't have such a problem with death, for instance. This is, just, this is a natural part, and they, they don't have all the hangups we have here in, in our society um, in America. I think similarly that with forgiveness, we're taught certain things and that becomes the standard by which we carry the way we deal with people as it relates to forgiveness. So when I think about my upbringing and um, being in this dogmatic Christian uh, Pentecostal upbringing uh, and if you did the wrong, quote unquote, wrong thing, you were going to be doomed into damnation and God was going to be mad at you and, and, and being fearful that my parents would be mad at me and my mother was great at holding a grudge. You, you didn't do the right thing, so I'm going to be mad at you over here. And having that as part of my um, psyche and recognizing at some point that I was doing the same thing, mm. this manipulative type of um, holding people accountable for their wrongness that they, that they did to me. How dare you do that to me, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and so that then translated into being a master grudge holder and having to do the work 
to undo that and come to a space where um, I think I can be in a better space as it relates to forgiveness. But even listening to this conversation, I'm recognizing that I still got more layers to do uh, because, you know, there, there, are, there are people that I think have done some really harmful things to me that I have quote unquote forgiven them, but I know I still, there are times where I can still feel the energy of the hurt, right? And I want to be able to not feel that energy. And I think if I'm at that space, then I'm actually in that place of forgiveness that you have um, been able to describe and identify in terms of those spirits coming together. Um, and I imagine that those spirits came together because they recognized that we need to do this for the benefit of this person that we both love right. so much. And right. she recognized the pain that she's in. So we need to put our little stuff to the, to the side and really do what's most important. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been there myself. I've had somebody show up and, you know, I wasn't really in the space of wanting to deal with it. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, 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 I got it. You know, even showed me the journey of how the anger and the manipulation that they had imposed came from. Mm -hmm. Like really seeing the generational, he, he took me through the generational oh, trauma yeah, yeah, of sl the slave master, the yeah. slave, how it had transposed to the family, mm -hmm. to explaining why the behavior happened and why he wants me to know, you know, that he's sorry and he, you know, wants me to be able to forgive him. Again, not for him, but for my own. And I, I was like, yeah, 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 I got it. I just right now I'm not ready but thank you for showing me this. You know, I got to kind of work out some stuff. So, I mean, like we're all there and, but the sting is not there mm. of what happened. You know, it's almost, I can laugh at part of it now because it doesn't hold the same texture mm -hmm. as it did. But, you know, that was one of the benefits of having him come to me and really kind of explaining where it came from. You know. oh, maybe that's the key. The people who've hurt me, they have to die. And then I can <laughs> come to me and then maybe I can give it. I'm joking, but kind of seriously joking. But yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. The well, the multi-generational trauma, I, I, I give a whole talk on that, on the psychology side, about the impact of that and how if we consider the context that people were born and the experiences that they had when they were six and when they were 10, mm -hmm. and how that framed the way they think and thought about things, that then, it doesn't explain it, it doesn't right. use it. It mm -hmm. just helps you understand why they were the way. So this abusive father wasn't just a mean, he didn't come into the world being a mean abusive spirit necessarily, but his experiences of being beaten and being um, ridiculed and having a cigarette put out on him and you know all these heinous things that happened to him that he never talked about mm -hmm. that came out in I'm gonna abuse somebody else because I never dealt right. with my own feelings and the own abuse that I suffered. So I'm just gonna transpose that onto someone else. If we can sit back and see the context of where that came from, 
it makes it easier for us to not take it personal. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a work in progress. <laughs> we all are. We all are. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Right, right. It certainly, it certainly gives us some context. That's, that's what I think. It, and I'm, and I'm glad to hear that coming from, coming from spirit in, in delivering that message. That's a very powerful message. Yeah. Um, this this what so we've talked about stuff I didn't necessarily intend to talk about today. <laughs> I've enjoyed the conversation a lot. I thank you. And, and and there's still so much that we gotta talk about. We didn't even get to your work with crystals. I know, right? We didn't get the Reiki. We we got so we gotta have you come back. So we, I would love to. We have to continue this conversation. Uh, I would love to. So we're going to look to set that up, and I'm sure people might have questions about some of the things. I still have more questions about stuff we're talking about. <laughs> so, um, yes, we will get that set up. So I was going to have her tell us how, or tell our oh, audience yeah, yeah. how they can find her and yes. connect with her. Oh, um, well, it's easy to connect with me. Part of my journey was I had a brick and mortar and then I, you know, I've retired from education. So I wanted to be able to, and this sounds so shallow, I want to be able to service my clients while I'm sitting at the beach being wow. charged by the energy. Right. So I can be reached online. All my services are online, whether you want to have a session or whether you want to learn how to do what I do. Yeah. I love teaching and that's what I, even in uh, education, I was, you know, someone who educated or trained the trainer. Okay. So my, um, my website is midlanticwellnesscenter.com. And Atlantic. Midlantic. With, yeah, not mid-Atlantic. It's midlanticwellnesscenter.com. And you can find me on all social media platforms along with my webpage. And um, you can set up a, a consult there or you can call me directly and we can set something up you know you can ask me a question um i can talk to you give you a little mini consult or if you want a service or again learn how to do this um feel free to reach out to me i love talking to people okay thank you so much we're i'm sure people will be reaching out and we are definitely going to have you back so we can continue this Yay. dialogue because um, we got some uh, lots of interesting things that I want to delve into. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and share these very enriching experiences. And you know, we want to always um, encourage people to continue doing your work, tapping in the spirit, asking questions. Don't be afraid of asking yet another question um, and not settling on the answers. There's so much the universe is so vast and there's so much for us to learn um, as we kind of tapped into some of the uh, discussions today so be willing to engage to engage the conversation engage the process and continue your own personal growth um, as it relates to spirit so any last words from you Glenda? No, just thank you thank you Aww. i look forward to our next conversation same here thank you so much for having me i feel honored thank you and we will see you all next time on Tapping Into Spirit. And until next time, be well. Peace. Yeah, talking about spirit. So in closing, we like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve 
continue to transform, continue to thrive, and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.